Right. For all you locked up abroad, banged up abroad fans out there, if you remember the episode Kuwait, Scott here lives just down the road from me. So he's come up today and we're going to do his story in more detail in the episode. So thanks for coming up, Scott. You're welcome. And what were you doing in Kuwait in the first place? Uh, my father uh, was hired out there in the um, in the organ transplant unit, so he was an immunologist. The organ transplant unit yeah. of what? Of of uh, for kidneys, livers of the hospital out there. So he, of the hospital he, in Kuwait. Yeah, he set up with with Dr. George Abuna. He set up the most successful organ transplant unit in the Middle East for its time. Wow. Um, so yeah, he he was quite a an intelligent guy, and uh, he he went out ahead of us. He actually left us. I believe from my mother's story, left us and uh, but then called back six months oh, later. Tapping, tapping. Uh, sorry, <laughs> yeah. uh, called back about six months later and said to my mother, you know, he wanted us to go out, and I arrived and never looked back. But my mother and sisters arrived and and then and wanted to leave from the second they arrived. So how long had you been out there? No, I, well, I arrived when I was eleven. So you you moved to Kuwait at age eleven yeah. from the UK. Yeah, from Scotland. From Scotland, yeah, yeah, okay. From Edinburgh, yeah. Where, where, uh, um, I think the reason we got interested in the Middle East is uh, so a few years earlier, some my father had been in quite a, 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 a famous sort of attempted murder case. My father was a victim, and after he'd been seriously attacked, after when he started to get better, he got sabbatical and we went to Tehran for six months, which was actually the most wonderful six months of my life. And I went to the Middle East, and that's I think where my dad first got to know people from the Middle East. So we'd spent some time in Tehran. The murder uh, case. So, well, my yeah, the, my father was a he's, he actually was the I think one of the first people in Scotland to win money from um, the government for being assaulted. If somebody put a hammer through his head, basically. Whoa! This was up in Scotland. Yeah, it was a famous case at the time. He were he, he, he got a lot of compensation, but but he changed. Uh, so, but the uh, it caused brain damage then. Uh, well, uh, it's difficult. People who've had head injuries in their family. Um, you know, realize that head injury is a very complex issue and yeah. it changes per people's personalities. So that he kept his intelligence, but he changed his morality. You said this was a famous case, that yeah. that person murdered other people? Uh, no, it's a famous case in the sense that it was the first case where he ma my father managed to get compensation out of the Scottish government, gotcha. which at the time we ended up with a most fantastic flipping vintage car, you know, <laughs> you, you know, and things like that. But But it was a... It was a terrible evening, and I still remember the cop coming to my house and and sitting on the stairs listening as they told me my father had been assaulted, and uh, he drove he drove to the hospital with part of his skull hanging out. Oh! Yeah, 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 yeah. And he got there and he drove drove himself there, and the um, and they caught the people. They caught the people, uh, Gordon McCracken and somebody else. Um, he runs a restaurant in Scotland now. Apparently, um, he doesn't know what damage he did. You know, and, and and I think he should still be in jail. For was it a robbery? Was that the motivation? Yeah, well, it was, but what saved his life was when he fell to the ground, he pulled his jacket over his head and the hammer, this is how they caught him, the fibres from the hammer were in the jacket and they threw the hammer away nearby. Uh, but he had six pounds on him, but they never got any. The reason my father, it was in the meadows at the back of the six hospital. Six pounds, ten dollars, bloody They hell. got nothing. But the reason they mugged him, well, he used to walk through the meadows at night, which are on the back of the hospital to get to where he parked his car. Yeah, and so he had nice cars, but only because he did them up to sell them. Because yeah. it wasn't that well paid being a doctor, so he 
did this and did that. Anyway, so so we ended up going to Tehran after that, sort of, I think, to try and bring the family together and, and things like that. It was wonderful. Um, but then we came back and a few years later, my dad just left, got up one morning and told my mother she was leaving to the Middle East. And it looked like he'd walked out. And then six months later, called us and said, well, come, come to Kuwait. So we arrived. And uh, like I said, I never looked back, but my sisters and my mother hated every second, yeah, which yeah. is was typical of a woman. Sorry. How, how old were you then? 11. When um, you started getting involved in drugs? Ah, well, in terms of drugs, I mean, you know, I find it very, not, not, just the, the wording, you know, for example, you know, when you start drinking is a far more, as a far yeah, well, more. Well, drink's a drug? Worst, the worst, the worst of all. I mean, drink, I've done more stupid things than alcohol than I have on any other drug. Most crime is committed under the influence of alcohol. No, absolutely. It's, 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 the bad yeah. name that drugs are given, you know, and, and the name that, that they get away with that is, is unbelievable. But, sorry, the question again? How old were you when you started getting involved um, in drugs? Well, I hated the taste of alcohol. My friend, my best friend did it and got alcohol poisoning. I fucking hated the taste of it. Absolutely hated it. Um, still do. That's why I drink only spirits, to cover up the thing. Um, but I guess when I first got a chance to smoke hash, in the Middle East, what we first started was, was was with pharmaceuticals, right? So it was like Artane. It was a drug for Parkinson's disease. It was an awful drug. Fucking awful. I mean, you'd see burnt spiders in your bed. You'd be talking to people who weren't there. You'd be catching the bus on Friday night and there was no bus for another 24 hours. Some people you, like that. Yeah, these were really awful. Though Your throat would dry mm. out. You'd get like birdcage mouth and, and it, was, it was awful. But um, that was the first when I got some of my American friends and I, so it was pharmaceutical drugs. Then when I first tried hash, I guess I must have been 15 or 16. And it was just something that compared to alcohol was much more easy to to use and and, and was helped you in bed a little bit. And it was, it was, there was nothing negative. I saw I still don't see anything particularly negative about hashish or marijuana. And what country were you in when you tried the hash? Uh, Kuwait. In Kuwait. Yeah. Yeah. Did you know the penalties there? Um, I didn't. When you're young and stupid as you know, maybe you were a bit older than me when you, you got in trouble. But I was really like, my, I just lived with my father at this stage. My mother had left and my father was out with his girlfriends. And I had the, I just lived and I was a very free human being. And I just lived my life to so, enjoy sure, it. Just a teenager on a foreign adventure. Yeah, it was invincible. Yeah, yeah. Not thinking about the consequences. No, I mean, I went through some wild stuff out there. You know, I, I, I was a, I just had a, a really, really exciting, no, no, nothing hurtful of other people or anything. Just a, just a, a really exciting childhood and uh you know and it just all went terribly wrong and it, it, it uh you know for, for something that you know when you're locked up for a piece of hash the size of your hand for five years and you're just like fucking hell why am i here why am i here? what's the real reason i'm here this can't be the real reason it's just so hypocritical you know there's nothing wrong with getting stoned people have been using cannabinoids for years you know you cannot stop it it's i agree total ignorance i'm writing a book actually called the war against weed right now so it is it is it's a hypocrisy. The government's in on it with the pharmaceutical companies and everything else. It's terrible. But going back to your story then, mm -hmm. what wild stuff were you getting engaged in in your late teens then? Well, it was just like the same as everywhere. Every other young sort of Western-minded person was just enjoying themselves. Women. Parties. Alcohol, as you would know. You know, we didn't provide free drugs, but but the, but the end of the day, you know, yeah. uh, it was just being... Uh, mo cars, motorcycles, women, drugs, um, but it was nothing. No heroin, no cocaine, no nothing, nothing like that. It was just hash, a bit of hash, and homemade alcohol and brewery, which is the Middle East. I mean, the Middle East was a party town. 
I mean, it was a, it was Kuwait was a serious party town. It really was. It really was, and it and it, and it's it's how it should be. So, yeah. have you got at this age then? Have you got a community of steady party friends that are your age uh, that you're that you're going out with and doing no, these, doing these no. things? With? No, I lost most of my friends because I left the Middle East and I grew up there, and I you know I I, I don't have a particular need for for for, for people that much. I, I've got my my small family around me i got my work i don't so I don't you're have... a lone wolf even as a teenager no then i had loads of friends that's what i'm asking yeah yeah, yeah. sorry yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Sorry, i thought you were referring to now. so we, we, chronologically of your story now mm-hmm. you've smoked some you did you got the hash why did i get arrested you're doing these wild you're building up into this party scene so you've got these regular teenage friends in Kuwait, mm-hmm. and are they are they foreign nationals? Who who are these people? Well, you're partying yeah, yeah, with? yeah. Well, the people I got in trouble lot were, were ended up being locals, but but the expats, as we were, were, were mainly from India, England, um, you know, Sweden, yeah, uh, you know, just you, mainly. And we had some Arab friends. I had a lot of Arab friends, yeah, you, 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 you know. But uh, but when it, I mean, the people who I bought the hash off were Arabs. The person that I was getting the hash for were Arabs. Yeah, you, 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 you know, it's it's. Um, but my friends, in terms of the general scene out there, was just it was if you couldn't walk, you'd drive, you know, because you know everyone drunk. Every it, it was. I worked for the biggest alcohol, imp- one of the biggest alcohol importers in the Middle East. Yeah, I used to drive around with tins of ethanol that we would have blown the whole bloody place up if we'd <laughs> if we'd have been if it had gone off. And that's yeah. what ethanol was. The, you import it to clean hospitals on in the disguise that you're cleaning hospitals, so you get a cleaning contract with the hospital. Mm-hmm. But really, what you're doing is you're importing ethanol to sell to the expatriates. So where are you going to get high with your friends? What, well, it wasn't what, that often. This is, this is the irony. It wasn't the irony. It was a really rare event. Oh, it was a it rare event. It wasn't anything like your... Any, don't, yeah. don't forget, I'm 51. Yeah. This is going back to 1989, you know? Uh, this is a long time ago, 88, 89. This is a long time ago. And, you know, just getting in the Middle East, just when you get something, you know, alcohol's easy. But yeah. getting your hands on hash was a bit more difficult. A bit more difficult. But, you know, we didn't... We had, it was a rare event until I found Ali. And Ali knew how to get, and as, you know, a supplier somebody knows where to get it and he had a decent supply so um yeah that that, that you know it, i i literally got caught on my i would they knew on the first deal i sold it to the same guy twice only once right who who, who, who let's explain who ali is for the people who haven't okay, seen okay, the okay. episode what, where did he pop up from ali is a friend of mine my friends used to dive down in, a, in an area called ahmadi or past ahmadi i forget what the name was and they used to dive down there and ali worked in the oil refinery place down there. He was a really lovely man, actually. He'd given his kidney to his sister, actually, because my dad was in the kidney transplant unit, so that was ironic. So, so, so he'd been involved in, in this person's life earlier on. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, so the question? We're, we're just giving the background as to who Ali is. Yeah, so, so uh, yeah, he was just working, and I knew him, and, he got, and I asked him if I could get hash. And then I kind of put the two and two to so. Why did I get arrested? How did I, how did I get serious? Is a friend from school came back, a Kuwaiti friend called Nasa came back from England boarding school and said, Scott, can you get some hash? I said, yeah. So I got some hash. We were just smoking together. This guy appears out of nowhere in the thing. His name's Talal. And he says, oh, Scott, this is my friend Talal. When I go back to boarding school, would you mind sorting it out? You know, so it was never me. I have to make, you know, it was never me saying, do you want drugs? It was somebody asking me, can you get me drugs? Right? So... Um, that was the only reason, and the only reason I thought of doing it was because I thought, oh, I'll buy my girlfriend a ticket, Lisa, to come out from Cyprus and do it. It'll help me pay for that. So they actually knew on the first deal, but they carried on, and he came to my house this Talal afterwards. So, so anyway, so what happened was 
NASA went back to boarding school. Talal calls me. Can you get me? Can you get me? Can you get me? So I decide, um, yeah, I'll try and get you some hash. And so I went to his house, right? And there was actually CID in the next room at the time. And I went to his house. And, all, and he came to my house with, with a guy dressed up in a disaster. And I went to the kitchen with the guy. I said, Talal, what the fuck are you doing bringing someone in my house like that? And this is when you knew, he, I know he was a coward. And I knew he, later on, because it all comes out later on, he, all he had to say to me then was, Scott, leave, get out. Just, just, he, or to be a man, all he had to say was, Scott, I've been busted. But he wasn't, he was a snitch. He was a through and through snitch. So he went, basically, um, he, uh, he, that was a CID officer in my front room at that time, you know. So um, anyway, went away. So I went to his house, gave this stuff, and, and then they set me up on the second deal, which was the deal that I got busted. So in my eyes, and I think in a lot of people's eyes, it's in the West, it would be called entrapment. Yeah. If, you, if you ask somebody to provide you with drugs and you put, and, and they're incentivized, oh, well, I've got somebody who wants it. I know somebody who's got it. You know, and it's just, and at that age, you know, I really was, as the expression goes, young, dumb and full of cum. You know, I was just, I was just really fucking stupid. You know, you know, I was just wanted a good time. Didn't want to hurt anybody. Didn't, was, didn't want to poison anyone's life. It was hash, man. If you drink whiskey, you cannot complain about hash. How you, old are you now when uh, these deals are going down with Talal? Two deals in my life. Yeah. Only two deals. First deal, they knew what was going on. Second deal was the deal I got arrested. That's it. Yeah. There was no more. I was the worst drug dealer in history. I just talk about anything. I've got a mouth like this. I, 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 listen, this always gets me confused, but I think I was 19, 19, okay. 19 20, around that. I was, Basically, you're just a kid who's been framed. I, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And at the, at the time, though, I'd, a Kuwaiti had been arrested in London for something quite serious. Yeah. Right. So um, a rape of uh, one of the royal families. There'd been a rape or something okay. in London. And I, you, you tend to think when you're in that, that this was a response when you were trying to associate things with it, because a lot of the time they just let you, you know, if you're you, pe- not white people get away with stuff, but there was a certain understanding of things. You yeah. Know, you know, um, there's like a class system out there, isn't there? Oh, very much. My God, my God. Uh, it's slavery for, for, for Sri Lankans, for Bangladeshis, for, for, for it's modern day slavery uh, for Filipinos for, for it's terrible. I mean, it, it's disgraceful. Uh, that's another topic though. Um, but yeah, I love Kuwait. Don't get me wrong. I love, I love the place, but the, but I was white and I was, my father was a doctor and I was, you know, and we were treated in general very well, you know, but when you get, um, the lower car, you know, as I said, the Bangladeshis, the Sri Lankans, the Filipinos, you know, the, the maids, the domestic servants were raped and all the rest of it, you know, it's another, it's a terrible, um, uh, story, but the, the Middle East is a, is a land of hypocrisy, total hypocrisy, you know, um, on the day of your arrest, then what what happens then? Oh, okay, so <laughs> oh, that's going back a long time. So so mm. so the day of my arrest, um, so I'd arranged to meet Talal with the second w- with the hash, and I'd given it. No, I'd not given it to him. Where did I? I given it. We've been at the house. You know, I told you the CID had been in there. For, I always get it confused. And so it's like the Criminal Investigation Department, similar to the UK with CID. Yeah, it was it was at CID level by yeah. now. But I've been around, I always get the first time I dropped off, but I've already been to the house and dropped hash off and stuff like that. But this was a second time. Yeah. And and we were in my Trans Am and I was with my friend uh, called Nick, Slick Nick, we're sitting there and, and I go around and I said, Nick, take me around here. So we, we get in the park in this place around near our friend's house. And he turns up and Talal turns up 
And that was where, apparently that was when they were supposed to arrest me at the time. Because, you know, mm-hmm. I remember in, in the, he got in the back of the car, he was nervous, he got out and he was smoking a cigarette like a joint. And then he threw it like this. And literally, I said, ah, Nick, let's get out of here. That was the signal. That was the signal to arrest us. But they, they didn't do it. I re- they realized I don't think they did it. It's because they wanted to come to where the women were. They wanted to come to the house. You know, the so, so basically, I went about literally round two corners and went to a thing. Yeah, yeah. So by this stage, we're inside, we're drinking, we're smoking, women are there, guy, we're just fucking partying. Yeah. Just not, not, nothing, you know, nothing terrible, just a bit of music. Yeah. And then, then a knock on the door and uh, and I, this is a, uh, literally, I'll never forget it. I got up and I walked around and I said, who is it? And he said, it's Talal. And as soon as he said his name, my fucking blood went ice cold, oh. ice cold. He said, it's Talal. I said, what the fuck? Your mind's going, you're stoned, you're drunk. Uh-oh. And the door uh, literally um, came fucking flying in. And these five guys in the stashes with guns drawn and oh. they came in and he said, oh, man. You know, and uh, that, that was that was um, really the beginning of um, the beginning of, you know, it just that that moment of my life has taken away from me any sense of security, any sense of things that feeling peaceful about things because you think at any moment it can all go yeah and and and, and as you you know so you're aware you know so 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 it, it takes away something from you it also starts something in you and what it started in me was my ability not so my inability to never stop thinking yeah i'm always fucking thinking i cannot shut my mind what's the, what's going on what's this what's mm-hmm. it and, and, and i was as free as a bird i really was i was as free as a bird i was a good kind human you know, nothing wrong with me at all. I was just out there having a good time and it all went terribly wrong. And it went, you know, it, it uh, but I met some fantastic people. I was in the fucking best jail break you've ever fucking been in, honestly. Before the jail break. <laughs> yeah. um, yeah. Before the jail break. Did they take you to the cop shop next? Yeah, okay, okay. So 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 yeah. So we're in the house and by this stage by this stage, I mean it was awful. So I'm in the room. I'd be taken separated in the room. And they're saying to me, so first he said to me, big guy says to me, Scott, where do you get the hash? And I thought, oh, fucking hell. Don't forget, Ali is in the same house with me, right? Yeah. So I've gone back to the house. Ali's there. I had, no, on my mother's life, I had no idea I had given Ali marked money. I had no idea that the money I'd collected from the house was marked money. So I'm in the room and, I'm, and he says to me, Scott, where do you get the hash? And I said, oh, I know this guy. And I call him and there's a hole in the desert somewhere. And I, he goes and puts it there. I don't actually know what he looks like. <laughs> and you know, this, is what, this is what my mind said to me. Yeah. And he just said, Scott, where did you get I said, I'm trying to tell you. And then he hit me. Oh. He, he hit me here. It was a big guy. There's a bed behind me. Fell on the bed. It was enough to scare you when you've got a guy six foot two, yeah, whatever. Yeah. And, you know, so, so I lay on. I, I was on the bed. I got up and go, fucking hell. And then he says, where'd you get the hash? But at this stage, they brought Ali in from outside. And he, uh, he said to Ali something, uh, flus rukum. Where is had enough at Andy Flusrukum? This this guy has the marked money, and I uh, and Ali. In all credit to him, they asked him, "Did you give him the hash while I was laying on the bed?" Or they asked him, you know, and he stood, stopped my humiliation like that. He said yes, and he said yes, and uh, and he he went through some terrible things after that. And then I walked out of the room, and my friend Jenny was down the hallway, and I, she'd had some hash in her drawer, the other half of the hash, and she was pointing at me. <laughs> Luckily, I mean, her and her boyfriend, Paul, had fucking marijuana growing, but they didn't know what it looked like. And for <laughs> growing marijuana, that was more of a sentence than what I'd done. Mm. But they had marijuana growing in their room, little, little plants, but the cops didn't know it. 
which was really lucky. So, so they found my, this half in the underwear drawer. They were going around tons of alcohol. They were finding hash thrown all over the house because everybody who had it was throwing it out of their pockets. But I said it was all mine. I said everything in the house. I was so humiliated by, by, by what I brought to my friends. Um, you know, it was awful. But anyway, so, so they got all this alcohol. They made us load all this alcohol onto the back of this truck. And then they separate. And then they took me and Ali on our own. And we drove. And this was probably one of the scariest moments of my life. We drove back to Shuwaik, which was an industrial area right near where I lived in Shuwaik University. Uh, but there was an industrial area there. And, I'd never, and I knew most of the police stations because I'd been in most of them for being chased on motorcycles. For da, 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 da. So I, I'd, been in, I'd been in a lot of the jails. So I knew them all yeah. um, off by heart. But I didn't know this one. And my friend, a guy called Kareem Coachman, had been found hanging a few years before. And none of us knew exactly how it happened or, or whatever, but we kind of believed something bad had gone on. Um, and I said to them, where are you taking us? And the guy said to me, we're going to hang you. And we, they, they drove us into the back of this car. I'd never been in this police station. There were trees and stuff. And my friend had been hanging. And I was really scared then. Um, that, that was a bad time. And then they took me upstairs and they handcuffed me to the, to the bench. And they, they'd got some porn from the flat. And they all went, to watch the porn next door porn. Yeah, yeah yeah they all went to watch the porn next door they enjoyed that um you know so but what was terrible i mean so this was the beginning right so this was the beginning but so they had ali and they took ali and ali as i told you before had one kidney removed because he'd given it to his sister so they were punching him in the kidney i didn't see this but i knew it afterwards because they wanted him to set up the next people in line which was a guy called Saud and another guy called Daoud, I believe. Um, they were two Bedouins. I mean, honestly, this is, I mean, real Bedouins. You won't believe how tough these guys are, seriously. They, 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 um, so they caught, they, they made Ali set these guys up at a fish market, right? And so Ali had to set them up machine guns. Da, 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 da. So two days later, they arrive in the jail. By this time, Nick and Paul and all the other people who were arrested with me were now with me downstairs in the cell. And they were torturing Saud and they're upstairs, right? They were they were torturing them, and then they came to get me, and they what methods of torture did they well, use? I'll tell you. There? I'll tell you. This is exactly what happened. So 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 they're beating this. Uh, so, so they come and got me, and they took me into a room, and they lay you down, and they sit on your chest. This is like four men, so there are four men, you know, big men. Yeah. And then they they take a cane and they have a strap that hangs down off the bottom of the thing, and they put it under your knees. So you're lying on the floor at this yeah, point. They yeah. put it under your knees, and one man holds it here, one man holds it here, and they have a selection of canes over in the corner. And the canes have tape on the end of them with drawing pins stuck in down the side. So they took me, and they laid me down. And I have really sensitive feet. Seriously, when I go to a beach, I'm going to go on my girlfriend's back to go over it because my feet are, like, hypersensitive. Yeah. And they, uh, they laid me down, and they pulled it back like this. And I'm like, ah, you know, like a, I'm not a hero of any fucking shape. Or form. I'm not just a kid. I'm serious. And then they all laugh and they all laugh. So that's one thing they did to, to, to get me. And the other thing they did to me is one morning they just woke me up. Said, Don't worry, Scott, your dad, your dad's, your dad's sorted it all. You're out. They took me out. They took my handcuffs off. They took me downstairs and they said, here. And then they said, whose car is that over there? I said, oh, that, you know whose car that is. That's Ali's car. You know, they didn't search it very well. There was a gun underneath and a magnet. But the, but, but the, but the, and I and then he just laughed at me and they put my handcuffs back on and took me back upstairs. So so so, so um, that carried on. But the worst in terms of seeing the torture. Uh, so we're hearing it. We're hearing it. So, um, but then they called me up to the captain's office and I'm sitting here like this. And for example, um, the, the captain was there, 
and they walked in with the with Saud, and he couldn't walk because his feet were so they'd be beating him for days. The gaps in his feet, the cuts in his feet, were as wide as that. Right, they, 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 his feet, so he couldn't walk. So he's hanging on to the guy, to the guy, and the captain's asking him questions. And when he's lying, where'd you get that? I don't know. He's standing on his foot, and the shame I felt, the shame I felt, that I had brought this onto this man. Right, the, it was it was appalling. Um, the self hatred I felt um, for, for for what I'd done. But you know what? He didn't speak. They tortured him for days and days, and the only person to get out of the thing was the guy after Saud. It stopped. The chain stopped because he wouldn't speak. They had no evidence against um, against Saud. And but you know what's so stupid is when they went to arrest them. You know, where's the hash? Where's the hash? Where's the hash? It was under a carpet. In the tent, it was literally all they had to do was lift it up and dig it, and they didn't find it. <laughs> you know, so 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 you're gonna laugh sometimes. But anyway, he didn't. So, so, so that all took place. We're going backwards and forwards to court. I have to admit to more than I've done because I'm so ashamed. Um, so every every bit of hash in the house, the prosecutor asked me. I'm like saying, no, it's all mine. It's all mine. When my mother eventually came out for the trial, they said to my mother, "Your son is a white knight." So why do you say that? He says because my God, yeah. But I, it was just out of shame. I thought, and you know what was ironic? Not ironic, but you know what was? With the first night I was arrested, and I said, "He says Scott, you're in trouble. You're in real trouble." I said, "Yeah, I guess that." <laughs> and they said, "I said, so how long am I looking at?" And they told me twenty five years. I didn't tell you about the part. Also, they took me back to my dad's house. So after they told me they're going to hang me, they put me in a car with four officers, took the guns out next to me, showed they were loaded, closed the guns. So I'm sitting in a car with four big men. Arrive at my house and oh the shame! I knock go at the front door and knock on my own front door, and my dad walks through with a dis a dis uh, drying cloth in his hand, and then they they open the door and they because they knew because the cop had been there as I said it with Talal before they took me straight into my bedroom which was a bar, I had like a bar in my bedroom and all the rest of it so they took me straight in there and all I heard was my father going oh my god oh my god oh my god and I said fucking hell I'm really so yeah so they. Because they took all my father's booze, you know. I brought, I brought, I brought a lot of trouble on on people, uh, but not 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 deliberately, you know, not with malice. Like I said, you were just a kid. So, are you in shock right now, going through all this? Yeah, I knew I was in trouble when my dad came out. He, when he left the house after they'd taken everything from my dad's house, they came out. And my dad does. My dad's not a very emotional sort of guy since the accident, sort of thing. You know, I've never seen a tear in his eye in yeah. my whole life. He just hugged me and he said, "Scott, I'm sorry. I don't think there's anything I can do." Yeah, and it was a nice hug. It was one of the only times in my life I've hugged my father, and uh, I, it was nice. But it was a, a lonely feeling. And you know, when I drove away, the Arab guy next to me said to me, "You know, if you were Arab, your father would have spat on you." And I just said, "I'm not Arab. I'm not Arab." And uh, and it, but yeah, so I knew I was in trouble when I, when my dad knew I, I knew I knew it was. But but twenty five years, I was just as they're watching porn next door, a giggling. You know, and then a couple of days later, Talal, the informer, walks in like he owns the place, wearing his little navy uniform, and comes in and tells me all this bullshit story. But right now, I'm, you know, I, I don't know what the hell's going on. You know, I don't know who to believe, what to believe, and he yeah. made he made out like it was it wasn't him. It was, but I know now after adding everything up together, it was absolutely him. Yeah, you know, there's nothing worse in this life than people who stitch other people up. You know, you know, at the end of the day, if you ask somebody to get your hash. It's not them on the street corner saying, do you want some smack? 
you've asked me to get you a bit of hash because you're in a country that's so fucking hypocritical that you're not allowed, you know, you, you know, it's, it's ridiculous. The Arab, where's hash come from? You know, the best hash in the world, go to Egypt, man, smoke some good weed, you know, <laughs> yeah, 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 you, know I, you know, that's another story. But, but, but the, um, yeah, yeah. So, so, so um, yeah, back at the jail, then, then, then I was taken back and they took our photos for Interpol and my friends all got out because of what I said and I was left alone. You're taking the fall. Yeah, but I deservedly, you know, it was my fault, but it wasn't all mine. Everybody else, I mean, they, they were smokers and stuff. They could have all got two years, three years or whatever. But um, yeah, so I went back to the main uplet and I said goodbye to my friends. And then I went on the loneliest bus ride of my life. Have you got to see a judge at any point? Uh, but I would seen a judge by now to make the cases, and so I don't. We'd been taken from the jail to the to the courtroom, and we, you know, in a cage. You arrive in a, you know, taken up, and I had to admit, as I said, to all of it. So all my friends suddenly, after ten days, all my friends were. We've been moved to one police station, and we're taking our photos of taken for Interpol, and then all my friends leave, and it's just me and Ali, and I have to go to the central jail, and that was the, that 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 was a, just a such a lonely journey to leave and to drive past your old school and head down and head down into the desert and arrive, uh, arrive at this place in the middle of fucking nowhere. And, and I, I know you talk about heat in Arizona. Is it Arizona? Yeah, almost 50 degrees in the yeah. summer. It's funny though, because about what you just said there, I was transported from one prison to another and they drove like past the city where I worked and then they drove past the the turn off where my old house was up in the mountains. And then when we got to the prison, we could actually see where I used to live up in the mountains. So it was this constant reminder of my old life. Yeah, yeah, you had a good yeah. life by the sounds of it. Yeah, I did for a bit, had it going on. Yeah. yeah. So you're on this lonely bus journey. Yeah, yeah. And then you arrive at jail. So Ali had quite a um, curly hair. So the first time I laughed when I got in jail was about 10 minutes after I arrived. And it was when we all get, went to get our hair cut. Yeah. You know, and I, I saw Ali's curly hair all come off and I giggled a bit but then they took us into the and this this has to rate as the uh, I, the scariest moment of my life so being taken into the into the block and you've got cages all the way down in front of you and it's all lit up and you've got cages up above you and the, as soon as we opened the door everyone was running to see who had arrived because really? they'd, they'd heard that loads of English people because there were quite a few people arrested with me, right? Yeah. My friends were all arrested with me. And, yeah. You know, as I said, they all got out, right? Yeah. So it's just me and Ali and Saud who arrived. So I was the one English person and they were going like, put him in my cell, put him in my cell. And I was like, fucking hell. And I said to the guy in charge of the block, I said, can you just say to everybody, just make it really fucking clear, I'm not gay, all right? I'm not gay. <laughs> and can you do me a favor? Can you put me in this block and he spoke english but he really looked he looked worse than the guy out of flipping uh what's that turkish one midnight he, honestly he was the ugliest guy you've ever seen uh, 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 and i said please put me in the cell with ali and he did yeah. uh, and but what i was going to figure out in the end though was that, that that the you know what i knew in the end is i was in the drug and alcohol block yeah. we, were, we were all decent people uh, and the gun runners we we, we, <laughs> we we were just decent people we weren't rapists yeah. We weren't thieves. We weren't anything. We were just decent people who liked to party like every fucking human does if they admit it. You know, yeah. who wants a life of sobriety and boredom and all the rest of it? We all, you know, as long as you don't hurt others, live and let live. But that's, but I didn't know that at that stage. Mm -hmm. You know, I was actually in a block with mostly decent people. But when they all came running down, and they were, don't get me wrong, there were quite a few wanted to 
have their way, so to speak, is, you know, but I'm not gay, you know, but I wasn't going to be, if I was in the rapist block, I'd have been nervous. How did you know some of them wanted their way with you? Oh, that all came on later on. It's, um, but I had many friends in the end and when I was inside, so. Was a lot of sex going on in the prison? Yeah, no, no, not, no, our block, as I said, was normal. I mean, there were a few uh, Filipinos or whatever um, that, that I think that might have. Any lady boys? That sort of thing, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I, th I think that sort of thing, but it wasn't, you know, as I said, I'm not gay and I'm not, I think what they used to do, as far as I'm aware, so you're given a bucket to wash in, yeah, and you stand behind, you've got a little sheet. So what happened, I think the ladyboy sits and stands in the bucket. Yeah. So if the cop comes along and looks from beneath, mm -hmm. there's only one pair of feet. Yeah. That's what I heard anyway. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I heard anyway, big feet. Uh, um, but yeah, so, so, so that was scary. And I got put in the, I got put in the cell where the jail riot started. Uh, the, actual, the, the actual, at the end of it, where it all started was uh, uh, block, block five, cell three third cell in on the right hand side past the tuck shop and that's where I got put that night and that night it was freezing cold don't forget now I'm now in November time the desert's cold at night and the lights never go off I just remember lying there on my floor on the floor because there was no room there was everyone had a bed but they thought they were all pretty nice to guys and I just lay there and I look and it's like a road you look out on the cell so you're on the cell and then there's the cells over there and it's like a road it's just concrete and this cop and I just sat there and I sat there and I'm like, oh god what the fuck? And I'm a very impatient person, right? School, Monday to Friday, fucking hell. How long did a whole week seem? And I was like 25 years, 25 years. My mind was going nuts. My mind was going nuts. And the lights never went off and his feet went up and down. And I watched, I don't think I went to the toilet for like 13 days or something. I was hoping I had bowel cancer or something like that. But I took it, they gave me a laxative and, you know, I shat a python. Was there any other English? Uh, at that stage, no. There was a Ger German, but he came later on. No, there was no English. There was it was all Arab, Arab, Lebanese, Iraqi, uh, Afghani, Pakistani, Indian. Yeah, it was. It. Did they look at you as someone from the West, possibly had, had money and try and get money out of you? No, no, there were there was nothing. There was, I, there was honestly there was there was it wasn't like I said we, we were the drug and alcohol block. We were decent people. We're not criminals. <laughs> you, you know, we're not, even though we were the only criminals in the jail. Because of George Bush's father's war on drugs at the time, yeah. that had everything removed. So no good, no time off for good behavior, no time off for National Day. In National Day in Kuwait, the most you could spend in jail in Kuwait, right, unless you were dead, killed, was uh, they gave you 25. Mm -hmm. But the most you can do is 10. Okay. So my friend did 10, right? Uh, one of the nicest men I ever met did 10. Yeah. In there. But, but, but so, so, so 10 years is what you'll spend maximum, right? But, so I got five years in first court reduced to three and a half in my appeal, and then six months for, uh, if you had a fine, and my father wasn't going to pay the fine because he was pissed off at me. So I was going to have yeah. to do four years, right? Which was equivalent mm -hmm. to over 10 years, mm -hmm. right? Just because of George's, it wasn't heroin, it wasn't, it was, it was hashish. Yeah. You know, for anybody who's tried hashish, they know what I'm talking about. Yeah. It's hardly criminal. Yeah, I've written about George H.W. Bush in one of my War on Drugs books and all the corruption. And Yeah, he's a sick individual, was a sick individual. He died, didn't he? Recently, um, I believe, yeah. Yeah. Um, so let me just, before we get to the riot then, and that's mm -hmm. that stuff, mm -hmm. let me just ask you some general questions about the jail conditions and the atmosphere. The, yeah. How did you get fed? Uh, okay, so so boiled meat and stuff arriving in, I mean, I, I didn't eat this. Why, when I left, I was 55 kilos. My dad used to give me a bit of money, so I bought mangoes from the fruit market, which came once a week. Chocolate milk, tuna, 
um the food was just li literally the the joints boiled that's prison food or stuff you're buying that prison food that was the prison, prison food. food is boiled joints like boy you know the, the the like yeah the like the joints of the elbow and stuff like that with bits of flesh on it yeah and it was just it was just it was just it was horrible but you know you know it wasn't i, I don't want to anyway insinuate that it was I'd rather have been there than an American jail. You know, you know. I'd no have been bread, so... no cheese, anything like that? Yeah, yeah, in the tuck shop. Yeah, tuck yeah, shop? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like a commissary. Yeah, thing. yeah, yeah, yeah. So you could spend how much? Well, uh, whatever you had. So you could spend whatever you had? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, so the, and the commissary's run by the prison? Well, yeah, by the guy I told you. Well, yeah, by the, the, the leader of the block and somebody else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, in terms of temperature then? Yeah, yeah, that's what I... I mean, this is when I was talking about your Arizona thing. This is... Everyone says to me, what was jail like? What was jail like? And I was like, oh, my God. The heat. The fucking heat. I literally, literally... So I had a concrete bed in the... And I had a little bit... After a while, I got a mattress. So I'd lay this mattress out, and I'd fill a bucket up, a normal big bu bucket this high off the ground, and I'd fill it with water, and I'd soak my mattress with it. I wouldn't put a cut. I'd put the whole bucket of water on it, and I'd take my sheet, and I'd stick it in there, and I'd make a tent over me. And there's a fan up there, a 13 seconds it used to take to go from one end to the other. And the lights are never off. And it's the one fan for over you. And you can go over. And then it comes back. The light's never off. And then at three o'clock in the morning, you go, Allah, what from the guy next door? You know, you know, prayer, call to prayer yeah. at three o'clock in the morning. You go, fucking hell, what did I do to deserve this? You know, God almighty, God almighty, what did I do? It was just, it was just horrendous in terms of... Uh, the heat that the heat caused you because where we were at mm. there was like a little vent Ooh. attached to what's called a swamp cooler mm. and when it was working the air coming out of it was like as warm as our breath so you're in this confined building structure that heats up in the day and stays hot all night long it's like a concrete oven basically mm. so now we're getting these skin infections and bed sores mm. itch and bleed at one point it looked like a spilt battery acid on my leg and because you sat around a lot as well, you're getting all these bed sores on your ass. But if you scratch yourself, because you're sweating constantly, you, your skin's turned soggy. So you've got the itchiness, and then you scratch yourself, and clumps of your own skin are coming off under your nails. It sounds worse than mine. No, no, I, no I, 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 I didn't have... I mean, I, yeah, I had a lot of the, the itchy. But the... Um, I mean, just the weight loss that I, I, I... Like I said, 55 kilos, and I'm not very big, but 55 kilos when yeah. I got out, you know, is because is of the heat. Yeah, and the um, it's a, it's a I I uh, I tap because I've got nerve damage. I think. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what 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 the tapping does is we had another guy who tapped, yeah. and um, Joe had to spend hours uh, trying sorry, to minimise it because you get you get people um, on YouTube, especially if they put here headphones on and listen to the podcast. It's really loud. The tapping. Yeah, 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 I'm sorry, yeah. I'm sorry. We're, we're going to get a reflexologist, I think, and we'll, when <laughs> guests come in in that in that room out, uh, we'll we'll get the reflexologist to go over the feet, so my, calm the feet. My down. wife calls me Mister Tap sometimes, <laughs> but um, yeah, I do apologise. <laughs> um, so, all right, we're on the general conditions now. We're talking mm -hmm. about the heat mm -hmm. and the food. Mm -hmm. um, so you've got your fan. I'll tell you a story. 13, quite 13 seconds for the fan. I'll tell you an interesting, not an interesting, but funny. You can imagine it creates an atmosphere. So World Cup. Right, yeah. so there's one TV in the whole block, yeah. right? And 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 we're watching it. So there's me sitting down with maybe two hundred other prisoners, mm -hmm. sitting there all on our ground on our mats, and England score. It's England Egypt, and I jump up, yeah, yeah, you know, fucking out, yes. And then and you can imagine, so I sit back down. Then Egypt score, 
Fucking hell. 300 people. Yeah! <laughs> and, then, like, and then we all got fucking sent to our rooms like children. And then we had to listen to it on the radio. I think we won 2-1 in the end. Um, but, but that was a surreal experience of, 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 of being the outsider. Mm. But another time I was watching TV. And this is when, so I had an Iraq and Republican guard friends. His name was Nasser Zaghani. He shot to the mouth, shot to the kneecap. He was a tough guy. I used to take the piss out of Saddam Hussein. I said, where is Saddam? I'm going to Saddam al-Arasik. And so like, al-Ari means on my dick, right? So I said, Saddam, where does he sit? He sits on my dick. He said, where is al-Ari? And he grabbed me like this and he just touched my wrist. I'd be in agony on the floor. He said, Scott, where does Saddam sit? I said, he sits on my head. I love him. Uh, you know, he, 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 tough, tough man, tough, tough man. Been in, and they used to tell me, oh, I'll tell you, that's in the escape, I'll tell you about that. But the the um, the people, so I'm watching TV and this is how sad it is. It's called Beauty and the Beast, right? It's like, oh, it's a half decent show. It's called Beauty and the Beast. There I am, 21 years old, watching fucking Beauty and the Beast, block five. And I'm sitting there and, this, and it's, the law is if one Arab wants an Arab channel, it doesn't matter if all the rest of the prisoners are watching something, the Arab can get up and change to the Arab. So this guy got up and he changed it. And we've got a bunch of Bedouins around a fire. Going, ah! And they're clicking their fingers, you know, and, and, and they're doing that. And I, and I go, fuck this. So I got up and I fucking hit the fucking TV. Within seconds, I had about three Bedouins. My, my, my jumper had been ripped off and I was stuck up against some bars. And then, but, my, but then NASA, the Iraqis who were friends of mine, like, within seconds, fucking up there, sorted it out. Thank you, guys. Uh, so, 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 you know, there were experiences. We had a jailbreak, the guy with literally with dummies in the bed. It was actually one of the guys um, related to our case, I believe, if I look back. And he was caught a week later and they tortured him in front of us when they brought him back and hang, hung him on the bars. Um, was it the cane stuff they used to talk No, they, 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 they beat the shit out of them because they humiliated them. I mean, you know, they, they literally got out over the roofs. Yeah. You, you know, past the gun towers and everything. Yeah. Um, but they tortured them before they came back. But then they they came back and they just basically uh, handcuffed them to the to the cell mm-hmm. and left them after they'd been severely beaten and left them there hanging there to teach us a lesson. You know, so so I I'm sure you went through even worse. America's far more violent, but um, but yeah. So 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 it all carried on and on and on and and I, I and by this stage I'd, you know, I was with Lisa, the lady uh, in the show. Um, and we'd had a, uh, it was a love story that all fell apart. How did it begin with Lisa? Just to explain to people well, who haven't know. seen your show. Well, Lisa, it goes back a long, long way. Lisa goes back to Iraq. Lisa goes back to before jail, uh, 11 years old, but she was too young then for me to do anything about it. But she left for a few years, went to Iraq, and then she came back, and uh, and uh, I knew at that stage that she was now a woman. So you thing. were kids together. We beginning. were kids together. My best friend went out with uh, her sister for years. They both just dropped me off here, actually. The sister's just over from Cyprus. <laughs> so my best friend went out with her friend, and then they went to Iraq. She's actually met Saddam Hussein's son, my wife, uh, Uday, the the rapist, the murderer, the killer, the one who wrote, wrote about it. She met, went to his house. Luckily, she wasn't abused, uh, probably because she was English. That didn't happen. Um, but, yeah, so I went to what happened with her. She came to visit, but she had a boyfriend, and I found out she was no longer a virgin, so I was really interested. And, uh, and, and uh, she arrived as beautiful as ever, and I got together with her and then she went back to Baghdad and I decided I to her boyfriend and I said I wanted to try and catch her or whatever you call it um so I got my friend to organize a visa Dr. George Abuna my dad's boss the surgeon the Iraqi surgeon whose brother was high up in the Iraqi army because the war was on with Iran 
um, that got me a visa to Iraq, which was very difficult. But I didn't realize I arrived to fly to go and see her and to surprise her to go to Iraq. So I got this visa, thought I'll turn up on her doorstep. Da, 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 da. Went to the airport because of the war. You're supposed to be there three hours. I was a bit drunk as well. Three hours before. So I arrived an hour before. You're not allowed on the flight because of security, because of the war. So I thought, what the fuck do I do? What the fuck do I do? So what I did is I got a taxi to the border, to the war zone, into Basra. And I traveled with returning soldiers up on the bus to Baghdad. Went past all of the, honestly. And when you see men who've just come from a war mm. and just seen the most terrible thing, you know, they weren't, like, there's suddenly, there's an English guy, right? You can imagine, oh, there's an English guy on a bus. Didn't, they weren't in the slightest bit interested. You know, they had just been through Basra. The Iraq-Iran war was horrific. It was horrific. Uh, and so anyway, I got to Baghdad and I, I, that's how I got Lisa. I, I went to Baghdad and, I, and that's the love story began there. So, so, so I got her to leave her boyfriend and, and come to me. So we went to, uh, going out with her, went to jail, got arrested. Uh, it's difficult. Um, I wasn't a faithful person either. So, so she found out about my other girlfriends and stuff and decided that I wasn't worth waiting for. So we broke up a few months before the invasion. So which was, you know, uh, when you're in jail, um, it's a very hard thing. What I would say to people out there who are in jail, if you're if you're going out with somebody who's who's in jail, be honest with them. If you're not waiting, don't lie. There's nothing wrong with going on with your life. There's nothing wrong with it. But if you are waiting, great, because it's you're never. You love somebody when you're in jail. You can love somebody. There's no drugs. There's no alcohol. There's nothing. You you, you need people, and when you find out that that that, that um, is betrayed or whatever, it creates a pain so intense and so long and so painful that it's it, just be honest. If you can't wait, don't lie, is what I would say to people who are in the middle of going through long periods in jail and are in love with someone. You know, it's, it's, uh, so, so I, you know, Lisa at this stage, we were writing every week, and, but I found out it was all, it was all sort of from my other girlfriend. <laughs> Are you getting visits? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm getting visits. Oh, my God, the visits. Because obviously the beautiful girls are turning up. And, you know, without being funny, you know what the Arabs are like. You know, you, you know, you know, you know it's all suppressed and all the rest of it. You know, you know it, I mean, it's the most, uh, because of their belief systems or whatever, it's the most sexually repressed area on earth. You know, it's all, you know, you can't have. Is it causing resentment then that you're getting these beautiful women visiting you? Oh, the captain of the jail tried to meet my girlfriends after work and all the rest of it. Yeah, to get, you know, I'll meet him. I'll take him letters. I'll take him this. I'll take him that. Um, so it worked to your advantage then? He was mo- taking yeah, he wanted to fuck my girlfriend, of course. Oh, you know, yeah, there's no fucking secret about it. They're, 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 you know, they're, they're, it's the hypocrisy. Again, it goes, it all goes back to hypocrisy about hiding things and, and what's open and what's not. But they, yeah, they tried everything. But I, I managed to, uh, my girlfriend, Lisa, managed to send me in a, a quite a nice photo. And my friend who I'd made in jail, uh, a guy I love to this day, a guy called Rahim, he is a murderer I told you about, uh, the guy who did 10 years. Yes, he got done for other things in jail. He got put in a cell that you couldn't stand up or sit down in for 17 days. Uh, that was because of a, uh, that was more to do with jail breaks and stuff like that. But, um, why is it? Why is I telling you about Raheem? I've lost my train of thought. So you were talking about um, the staff and trying to take advantage of your girlfriend. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. So I got a photo, and he'd never seen him. He got locked up because he was like fifteen, right? So he, you know, in Kuwait, you buy these flick knives, like one dinar, and they flick and they come straight out the end. And he come down from Iraq, and he all he'd done is got in a fight with his cousin and just gone like that. 
right? Taken to the hospital and dies. Died? He killed his cousin. Into the heart, was it? He killed his cousin with one stab. But it wasn't a malicious, it wasn't an attack. It was a fight, right? A, a, an impulsive fight, which is actually the case of many murder cases. You know, it goes on to the Chinese murder I escaped with. He, he did a similar sort of thing. But um, yeah, so Raheem, so I, 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 he'd never seen a woman before. So when I showed him a picture of my wife or my girlfriend in the G-string, it, it, it was, uh, it was, and then I also managed to get in a couple of like naked ladies in the photo and I, I'll never forget <laughs> it. So that, so it gets out that I've got these, the captain, the police find out that I've got this porn somewhere. Right? You're the porn king. No, no, only two photos, right? <laughs> and they came to myself and everybody used to, I had bags of letters because I wrote so much and people wrote to me. That's why I don't write at all anymore. I just literally, I, and I had all these bags of letters and the cop came to my cell and he from, grabs my bag, right? And it's hilarious. And he fucking throws it over the cell. But I've got Christmas cards in there. So they all put musical Christmas cards. So they put jingle bells, jingle bells. And this guy's looking for pictures. And they're all, you, you know, the only reason they're looking for them isn't because they want to confiscate them. It's because they want to fucking wank over them. That's the fucking reason. And it's fucking true. It's true. It. It's true. You know, it's all, it's all, you know, anyway, anyway. So, so, so it went through all the things that, you know, uh, the jailbreak, the, the hanging people, because they used to hang and they hang people that they, they don't let you out in the morning. And What the, are the... Uh, offenses that c- can get you hung uh murder murder but but it tends to be only uh, when they hang kuwaitis or but maybe badoons people without passport they'll hide to hang a kuwaiti it's much easier to hang a sri lankan or a bangladeshi or a filipino i mean i used to try and go to the hangings in kuwait to collect all the pictures and all the papers from it my dad finally said dad it's got you can go to a hanging so yeah so, 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 so i was like heading out, you know you know you know but i got i went the wrong fucking day um, so it didn't work. But but what happened was there were guys who killed an Iranian money changer and he did karate or something like that. So they had the Filipino or Thai ambassador there, I can't remember who it was, and he took nine minutes to die because he was so light. And because when he fell, he didn't break his neck and because he was strong. So in, imagine in front, of, in front of your local ambassador for nine minutes, oh. you know, so, so, but they hang. I went to the gallows, actually, when I, when I broke back into the jail after I got out, I went down to the gallows and I went down where they, all the dead people had been and I put my hand through it. And that was an eerie thing. Bloody hell. Yeah. That, I've got a picture of that, actually. Um, yeah, so so going back to it. So I got three and a half years, then f- five years down to three and a half plus the thing. Everything's going on. Lost lost the love of my life, uh, which was the most exp- painful. So what, what, what happened was, I, anyway, I found out she wasn't waiting. And I almost went to solitary confinement, voluntary solitary, just to get it because my mind was doing my head in. But then I had my, um, uh, everyone says they, and I, listen, when I hear other people say it, I say, oh, fucking idiots, they're fucking stoned. They're stoned. But I had my, I had an experience and I call it, a, so, so I was, the pain was so intense and I couldn't talk because just to write to her would take three weeks to get, three weeks for the letter to come back, right? And I couldn't stand everything that was going on. And I, I was, you know, the pressure was just like, just building and building and building. And I couldn't accept that this one thing that I had left, because I always had this vision of I'd leave, they'd deport me, and I'd have this beautiful woman waiting for me, and somehow I'd be able to rebuild something of my life. Mm. Um, because I, you know, I had a good life. I was, a, you know, and it all, it all was going so terribly wrong. And, and then I got up and I went to the toilet. So in the cell, you've got a wall two or three feet high, and you've got all the other lights never off. So I, sat, I just went to, and, you know, the Arabs definitely, definitely worse. Shitting like an Arab is, is the way to do it. Um, you know, uh, so I'm st- sitting there and I'm having a crap. And then I just start crying. And I just start crying and crying and crying. And literally rivers and rivers mm. of, of water came out of my eyes. And I saw Lisa and I watched her walk away. 
and she turned and she walked away and and it all left it was it, all the pressure and everything i didn't care if i had to do every day of my sentence i didn't care i felt more my dad said to me two months before the invasion how are you son i said dad i'm happier than i've ever been in my life i literally resigned i you know i literally resigned to the fact that i had nothing left there was nothing waiting for me there was nothing there it was all fine and i had to protect myself i had to deal with it myself i'd lost everything everything all my friends had left everything it all gone from this glorious party to this desert shithole did you felt detached from it at that epiphany i just felt the pressure everything leave and just it just said it, i put a shield around myself and i just said i have to protect myself because there was a period when i was initially incarcerated i was pining for my old lifestyle but i was missing you know, girlfriend, everything, missing the drugs, missing the, all this, the scene. Mm. But then in the second year, when they told me I was facing a huge sentence and um, <laughs> my girlfriend left me at, the, at this point and um, I just stopped thinking about everything I wanted back. And I felt the sense of liberation. Mm. I felt so happy all mm. of a sudden, like a mad monk in a cave. You have to survive somehow. And that was the turning point in my incarceration. Like you just said, you had this, this day yeah. where you're taking a crap. And all of a sudden, this happens out of the blue. Yeah, yeah. It went, and you have this vision of her coming and then going and going. And saying goodbye. And Basically, then, I said goodbye. I literally said, so to walk her, she turned around, looked at me, we looked at each other. And she just literally, I mean, it sounds corny, but walked off into the sunset. And and my heart broke. I mean, my, my heart yeah. broke literally. It, it shattered. But something happened. And I've had it twice in my, but I, I call it a spiritual experience. Yeah. It was just, it was just so, I would literally, everything, I stopped smoking the next day. I started studying. I started, I just, I just, I just wanted uh, to just, uh, it didn't, didn't, it wasn't this anxiety thing anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe people say, oh, you become what's in, not indoctrinated or, or you become acclimatized. Yeah, that's the word. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Institutionalized. So, so maybe, but I don't think that was it. I just think it was just, I was, I, I, I had one thing left. That was keeping me wanting to my old life, which was Lisa. And when that left, um, I mean, you, you think it's bad enough, you you lose your liberty, you lose this, but then you've got this one thing that seems to be waiting, seems to be waiting, and then you find out that's fucking bullshit as well. And and and, and the pain, I mean, fuck fuck physical pain. You know, I've broken my arms a few times and stuff like that. You know, I've smashed this arm to bits. The pain of of, of losing someone you love um, when you're locked up. And especially if you've been in a, a, a relationship where you're writing and literally revealing your soul um, is a difficult thing. Man, but I just, I'm just, this is exactly the same. I'm just like, I can feel it. I was, I was so heartbroken and you can't show people you're crying. Mm. So I would be facing the wall, pretending to read a book, crying mm. so that the prisoners couldn't see that the, I wasn't making any noise, but it was just streaming yeah. down my face. You learned how to cry and cry in silence and wank in silence. <laughs> had a wank in a room with 13 people in there, right? Honestly, with the, with the tent over there and to come without fucking any... <sighs> you, know, you, you know, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Was that with the regular hand or did you switch at some point? No, well, I, I switched when I broke my arm, actually. That, trying, <laughs> tr tr trying to wank with a cast on and not give yourself burned. I tell you, uh, that's a skill in its oh, own When right. you switched, was it like a whole new experience? No, no but, hey, listen, it, it, in jail, in, they put bromide in your tea. I mean, my, the, 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 you know, I had pretty women coming to visit me, yeah. you know, you, you, you know, so you, that was, that, that was the worst though, to know, to, 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 to see that they were out less than an hour's drive away and you knew your girlfriend was out yeah. partying and you were stuck in the fucking cell 
with the fan and the light and the and their fucking prayers. You know, everyone, everyone suddenly, suddenly when you get in jail, everyone suddenly got a beard. They're all suddenly religious and they all get religious in the hope that they convince the judge that they've found their, they, 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 they found uh, redemption and they want the judge to give them such. Yeah, that happens everywhere. Oh, there's, yeah. there's, in, at the um, religious services, the front two rows, they stay are the, the ones that get the most religious and they've got all the tats then of Jesus and Mary and all these tattoos. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And then they go out and cut somebody's throat. I thought it said, thou shall not kill. You know, I can't stand the hypocrisy of religious people. I can't stand it. I so think, so just going back just going back to these beautiful women visiting you then. Yeah. Could you get any action going with them under the table? No comment. There's no it wasn't a table. It was no it was no it wasn't a table. It's a room. It's a room with um uh it's just a big out, outdoor room where you all sit like like you know, like the Arabs do, yeah. which I sit like you know on, on the floor. Um so you just sit there with your cross legs. But it, you know, uh it, no, real realistically, um Realistically, no, my uh, it, it's difficult. Okay, you might have seen the crazy, occasional side of a breast or the yeah. uh, the occasional inside of a of, of an underwear or whatever uh, titillation, but it, it's it's um you rely on your memories. I think your wank bank, as you you know you you rely on that, uh, mm-hmm. and you um you know but the bromide in the tea. What does the bromide in the tea do? Oh, apparently, it's a, you know because because it's you know when you lo- when you lock up a load of men, yeah. you know I don't know why they don't fucking make sperm banks in the fucking sewer pits of jails. <laughs> you know you you, you 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 know you don't need to go in and do it. I mean it, it's it's just it's just male frustration, isn't it? So did it? you feel that the bromide reduced cancelled out the testosterone effect? Uh, I don't know. No, I've, I've, I've always been a bit of a wanker. Um, you, you, you know, I think like most kids, you know, but in jail, it was just, you know, keeping it sex in jail. I mean, I, there were men who wanted to fuck me. I knew that. But, you know, so for example, like if they had a hash, my friend, my, this is Raheem, the, 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 the guy that you know, I told you about, the, 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 the guy I'd love to meet again. And I've tried to find him again because I believe he got out to Australia Um uh, but I can't find him. I've written to his old address in Iraq and all the rest of it. Honestly, if you want to meet a man in your life, you, when he left, the whole jail got up and we were all <laughs> after ten years, and we all clapped him as he walked out of the jail. And I cried my eyes out. You know, I cried my eyes out. He was a lovely man. Uh, so, what, why was I telling you about him? Well, we're on the subject of wanking. Did you guys <laughs> do dick lifts? Who? Did you try dick lifts? No, 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 no. And, and, no we... I'm rather private. <laughs> I nicknamed my, my my dick Badoon. It means without a name. As, as you get. The old cons circulate these rumours among the new prisoners that if you spend so much time in prison, oh. it's not going to work when you get out, or if it does work, it's going to be a minute, man. So <laughs> apparently if you do dick lifts, which is you go in the shower, get your dick hard, put a wet washcloth on your dick, and then flex the love muscle so it goes like that, that's your reps. That keeps your... Apparatus. Okay. In, I've never um... had any trouble with my apparatus. <laughs> no, 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 no. I've never. But I mean, again, again, going back to it, I wouldn't have felt comfortable if we were in the rapist block or anything like that. You yeah. know, you, you know, I'd have felt more nervous there. But I had, you know, we, we were, as I keep going back to say, we weren't criminals. We were the drug and alcohol block. But yeah, it all got, it all got a, the heat like you. The heat was intense. What was bad about jail was the fucking heat. What was great about jail was the fantastic people I met, was the fucking break, the jail rape. My story was told in banged up abroad Kuwait locked up abroad and it was told well it showed you a love story showed you this but where it really missed where it really did not grasp the pure fucking excitement was the escape 
The escape was phenomenal. The escape was just my, all of a sudden, imagine you're bored shitless, right? You've lost your girlfriend, the love of your life. Fucking the lights never go off. You've got Alawak by next door. You've got the fan going on and you go, fucking hell, what have I fucking done to deserve this, right? Honestly, yeah? What have I fucking done? Right? Yeah? You know, so, so, so where was I going to go with you that? You set the table for the escape. Yeah, so, so, so it's all boring, right? It's really fucking boring. But I am, I've had my epiphany and I'm reasonably like, I mean, I almost became a Buddhist. I almost became a Muslim. I was going to go to Afghanistan. I was going to do all these funny things because there was nothing else to do. I'd lost everything, right? Oh, well, why not just go and fucking shoot some Russians? You know, yeah, 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 you know, that's how your mind, you know, yeah. So, so I'm lying. So, 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 so there are FM radios, little like this that we've managed to smuggle them. We're not supposed to have radios. But what you know about jail? Oh, okay. So, so, so. Let's take ourselves back. It's the 2nd of August, 1990, right? Which has become a very significant date in my life. Yeah. Okay, first of all, so don't forget, so I've no time off for good behavior. All the people who were going locked up when we were getting out because they'd have half their sentence quarter, but I was having to do every minute of my sentence. And I had just lost the love of my life. And But I'd had my epiphany. I'd come out of it. I was going to rebuild. I was, I covered myself in a, protective barrier and I was going to survive. My dad had said, Scott, I'm going to Oman. I'm going to get a job. I said, don't worry, dad. Just come and visit me once every six months. I'm fine. Don't worry about it. Go. Um, so, 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 and I told him Dad, I'm happier than I've ever been before. Right. Literally. Um, I let go of the past and I accepted my destiny. So it's all there. So I had years to go. I'd done about 21 months. So I had another couple of years to go. Which, when you're young, if you think about a World Cup, how long it is between a World Cup, I was going to have to do the whole period. I used to find a week long from Monday to Thursday. And this is what's ironic is that a lot of people who get in trouble for the first time, a short, sharp shock should be, you know, with, with a sort of, okay, if you, if you fall back, come back and do it. But all I needed was a, a week. All I needed was a month or three, some, just something to say, oh, man, Scott, straighten up. This isn't right. But to dive deep in and suddenly you've got years of being stuck in a room and in a block, years. Your mind goes, your mind is, just can't handle it. Um, you know, sleeping pills. I thought, okay, I'll get into sleeping pills. So at least I can sleep half the sentence away. But you couldn't get them all the time. I got into reading. I read so many great books. Which ones are your favorites? Uh, uh, Leon Eurus, Exodus. Uh, you should read about the foundation of the state of Israel. Long live Israel. And um, also, uh, I would say from the other aspect would be um, the greatest book I ever read was called The Forgotten Soldier by Guy Sager. It's about a German French guy who fought in the German army in the Second World War in the Weimark. Uh, incredible book. Uh, uh, from Here to Eternity. The Quran is quite hard to read. Very hard to read, actually. Um, um, so, yeah, so I read a lot. I read a lot to try to try and, and I met lots of people from different cultures, different areas. So, uh, uh, yeah. So anyway, so it's all it's all sitting there and we're hearing these things about Iraq. And I, oh, yeah, fucking, I wish you'd fucking come. Yeah, come on, Saddam, come on, Saddam. You know, but no, we're all sitting. There. So, but then I'm in bed and I'm lying there and normally in the morning, so, so we, we, we survive on big blocks of ice that come to our block, that go into our coolers for the uh, salad and for the water to keep it cool. And then you get tea with bromide <laughs> coming through the door, right? So, so, so uh, um, you get that. So, so, so the, the, these are the normal noises, right, that, you, that make you sleep. 
So you get used to jail. Mm-hmm. You get loose to the lights, not off. You get used to people waking up and going to work. But when they're hanging people or something else going wrong, all the noises stop. So I'm lying in my bed and then I hear them all talking. I'm lying in my bed and they're all talking. And I just like, because, you know, you don't want to wake up because it's just more time. You want to sleep. Sleep's fantastic. You dream. You have this. Wake up. I listen up to him. I said, Ali, what's up? He said, he's come. I said, what? He said, he's come. I said, fuck off. And I thought, oh. I got up, put my radio on. At precisely two o'clock this morning, 100,000 Iraqi troops have crossed the border. Ding! <laughs> and the, the main invasion route is less than a mile, less than, probably half a mile. Kuwait's small, right? The main invasion route is literally the next road down. Oh, right, right, right. It's the main ring road that goes straight up to Mutla Ridge and straight up to the border with Basra, the same border that I'd been to to go and see my girlfriend in, in Baghdad. So, so, but they went past the jail. So, but, but by this stage right now, imagine the fear, right? So you're thinking, and I, and I start thinking English, yeah, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Uh, yeah. Oh, maybe it's not a good thing. So every time you hear the block open, you're thinking, who the fuck is it? So we've all got our mirrors out the doors, as you know, you would know, looking, who the fuck is that? Who the fuck is that? No ice is coming. No water is coming. No food is coming. Nobody's been there. Just fucking nothing. So every time the door goes, who is it? Then they came around and said, give us your radios. But they were too scared to open the doors. You can, you can sense the change. You, when power changes, you can sense it. And the power, and they were there. So my job, we had like three FM radios. We were just listening to just to listen to the radios, listen to the radio. But no ice was delivered. Things getting hotter, hotter. Second of August, right? Fucking hot. I mean, I don't know what I, don't, I always get it wrong in terms of Fahrenheit or centigrade, but 120 and 100% humidity. In the 40s. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, and it's it, it's like um, it was just getting so serious. And and and, and so then this it took about two or three days for the, the escape to happen. You know, and so that we're in the block. And the evening falls and you start to hear people wailing. The Arabs are quite good at wailing. You know, they wail. And, and then letting, all, let, letting things on fire and letting it out. So you're lighting up the courtyards with fire to, to let the police know everything. Things are changing. But we're waiting to see who's coming. We're waiting to see, And we've got no, no water, no ice, everything, no food. Da, 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 da. And it goes on and it goes on. And it just the, 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 the tension, sorry, the tension just starts to build and build. And build it was so fucking exciting, you know. And and then we thought, okay, what can we do? So that by this stage, people are trying. Okay, let's try and break out. How do we break out? You know, uh, you, you know. And so okay, so everyone's trying to kick their cells, right? So we got three of us: one, two, three, kick. And I got like ankles like a chicken, and uh, <laughs> and, and, and oh, it hurt, oh, it hurt. And we didn't even make the thing move, right? But they caught me at Heathrow Airport. They actually got me at Heathrow when I came back. They said, "How did you get out? How did you get out?" And I was really anxious, and you know, I was fifty-five kilos, no hair, all the rest of it. I said, "Ah, the guy downstairs had big legs." And it's true, the, the same block that I was in, uh, block five, cell three on the right-hand side was where the jail riot started. And he had legs literally like tree trunks. He was a fucking huge bloke. And he'd kick the block. And the block had fallen off the inside, the block of the thing. And he'd used that as a hammer. And they came around all of us. And they, let, they let us all out. So suddenly, right, we're out of our cells. And you know something's changed because everything's, you know, the fucking cells have been destroyed. But they're still in charge of the jail okay so we're now in the block and we're free in the block we've broken into the store free ice creams da, 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 da. but now where the real men come into this so this is when the real men not me the real men come into it and that is how who has the balls to kick the fucking door off the hinges at the front of the block you know the cops have got guns and you know they're in charge of the rest of the jail right but they did 
They did within within fucking minutes. They broke out the front of the. This is our block. The whole riot started in our block, and the, this the, this was the the move that I didn't quite understand at the time until now, uh, until later on. Is that we had a terrorist group that had tried actually they'd blown up the French embassy behind my school. The cover at the time had fallen off and hit my friend on the head. I was going out. I was going out with the Turkish ambassador's daughter at the time. <laughs> And they went to her house thinking they'd blown up her house, but it was the American embassy around the corner they'd blown up. So the guy who had tied these bombs together, right, his name is Elias, right? But So they'd all had the death sentence for years, right? And they'd be kept, and we used to watch them. He had a limp and he'd walk and he had so much charisma and we'd watch him in the, and they'd had the, and they would, and why don't they just fucking kill him, I think? Why don't they kill him? And I found out later, but the reason they didn't kill him, right, was because Terry Waite, do you know Terry Waite? Yeah. So, so Terry Waite was in prison in Lebanon, uh, kidnapped in Lebanon. And it was known, and I spoke to Terry Waite about this after I got out of jail. I said, I called him on CNN. I said, is it true? Uh, it was known that if these guys were killed, Terry would be killed the next day. Mm-hmm. And the reason it wasn't, and the reason Terry got out was these people. So we went straight from our block, straight to them. And they were Shia, right? The Shia, which, uh, who, you know, it's worse than Protestant Catholic. It's like 50 times worse. So there's the division between the Sunni and the Shia. But they're loyal to their tribe. And so they let out the these prisoners. And now, now this is when all hell started to break loose. So as soon as they got the political prisoners out, they went straight to the workshop and started making Molotov cocktails, right? To bomb the Kuwaitis in the... In the it, was, it was unreal. This is how exciting it got. I was like, wow! I was like, wow! You know, there I am. There I am, a little old fucking the most useless drug dealer in history. Uh, and and here I am though. in fucking... In, in Midnight Express fucking... And it, it, it just got better and better and better. <laughs> uh, uh, honestly... So this is going on, and I can't tell you if it was two days or three days. I can't tell you. I don't know how many days it was, right? They broke in to get the political prisoners out. I broke into the ice cream store. I was trying to get a suntan. They were getting shot at. So, 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 so um, anyway, one, one evening I'm outside with my Iraqi friend, and, and I'm sitting there, and a bullet came. So I'm here on a wall, and the bullet hit the wall over there. It couldn't have hit me. It hit there, it hit there. And as, as the bullet hit the wall, I jumped. I fucking hell. And he was, smoking, he was smoking a cigarette. He was smoking a cigarette, literally. And, I, and it didn't even go light and dark. And I put it down. I said, I said doesn't it make you nervous? Doesn't it he said, Scott, when your time is here, your time is here. He said, when I was in the Iraqi army and fighting in, against the Iranians, we had Iraqi-made Kalashnikovs. He said, and after you fired one magazine, because the, the, the metal was such poor quality, you could watch the bullet land about so so they have a different attitude but so at the same time i see elias i look round and i see this charismatic terrorist with one leg shorter than the other directing people up onto the roof with the molotov cocktails it just got and, they, and by this time they're burning all the file room down right they're burning all the file room down and there's smoke everywhere so we're in the hallway you can't see five foot in front of you they've t- the cops have turned the power off so there's no power anymore but there's a thousand prisoners by now right roaming the jails destroying every burning all the files down. oh my god so 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 getting towards the end now so i so so, so i'm at the back so, so i'm at, back at my block block, block fires at the back of the jail nearly so you had block five block six and the political prisoners and whenever they walked them around the political prisoners so they'd all have their bands on they'd be walking with hands on shoulders so all hell's kicking off and my suddenly so i'm at the back of the prison like this and there's a hallway all the smoke from the fire and suddenly there are hundreds of prisoners running down through the smoke in a, in a stampede right 
I go, what the fuck is it? And I see one of them, one of them is a guy from my cell called Nasser. He's a break dancer from Saudi Arabia. He's a little 19 year old kid. He's got a body like you can't believe. He can just fucking do anything. Right. And he comes back and I go to his cell and he's, he's white. He's as white as I was. He's just complete, completely white. I said, what the fucking happened, Nasser? He said, shit, man. We were just at the front of the jail and they got up, the guy next to him, and they were throwing stones at the front by this time. So they had the gun towers, but they're at the front of the jail. And he said, the guy got up and threw it and got shot through the head and dropped dead in front of him. Right, so, so this is why the stampede had come back, right? So we're all back. and So now you've got two dead people. I, didn't, I don't know how the other guy died. I think the Block 6 guy was killed by prisoners, actually, because he was an informer. But the, but the, um, um, the so, so we don't know what to do, right? We're back. It's really nerve-wracking, nerve-wracking. Who's coming next? Is it the Iraqi army? Is it this? Is it that? And what actually happened was, which is ironic, is a father came for his son. So we're all sitting there at the back of and so there's like a thousand prisoners now at the back of the jail, right? All all because because people got shot in the front of the door. As soon as guns come out, things change, right? People get, oh, that's not such a good idea. So dead bodies at the front, but some men, some men, literally, some men are fucking fearless. Honestly, they are fucking fearless. They're just, if that's my destiny. But then what happened? He came he says, Ya Shabab, Ya Shabab, a short Young men, young men, the police have gone. And my friend is a Turkish guy. He'd been given 25 years for smuggling heroin, right? He, in, and he had to go back to Turkey and suffer the same sentence. I saw him on the bars like this. Yes! You should have seen him. And then my friend comes up to me and says, Scott, can you take this Chinese? The Chinese guy used to wash my clothes. He was like a little Mr. T. He was like five foot fucking like muscles. Like, very tough. Once he'd been, because he used to wash for people. So he's washing the dishes and these Afghanis had come in, right? So he's washing dishes for everybody and they're going for prayer. And they spat all over his dust. He took the fucking thing, right? <laughs> they took the fucking thing. He's only a little guy. And these Afghanis, I mean, huge, great big Afghani, crawled out of the bathroom after he fucking smacked this fucking board around his head, cracked his head open, and he crawled out the fucking bathroom. Uh, uh, but so a tough little guy. But what he, was the Chinese guy in for? Murder. Um, because he'd, um, again, drinking on a... He'd never seen Kuwait City. Laborer comes in. They're taken like slaves out into the desert. They live in these prefab huts. And they, they just had a bit to drink, you know, smuggling. Got, you know, as a gambling... Gambling, you fucking, you cheat, stabbed and died. Lovely guy, actually. Uh, uh, but he'd never been anywhere. He'd never been anywhere, right? He'd never been anywhere in Kuwait. But I, I'm a very, like, you know, I, I, I'm a good person. And he said, can you, can, you, can, you, can you help this guy? Can you take him? I said, yeah, no problem. So, 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 all, so now we know, we know somebody's coming from the outside to get his son. I've got a Chinese murderer. I've got Ali. And we've got we've got this thing. So, you know, it, it's it's now the fourth of August or whatever day it is, and it's all happening. We're breaking out. We're breaking out, and we I can't remember exactly what it was. It was at the front of the jail, and we get out. And I, I had my opium T-shirt. I was fifty-five kilos. I was green. I had my Turkish trousers on, my opium T-shirt inside out, and I ran out into the desert. I ran out. Listen, I ran out into the desert, and I turned round, and I looked back at the jail. And there were hundreds of prisoners. There was prisoners in wheelchairs trying to push them through soft sand. I said, fucking hell, you've got some loyalty there. And you've got hundreds of prisoners running to the women's jail for whatever purpose, I don't know. Um, but I ran, because uh, somebody knew nearby, mm. Ali had a friend nearby, and we ran to a douanier. It's called like an outdoor house, a douanier. And we sat there, and I spoke to Ali. I said, Ali, what are we going to do? And I, I'd always hitchhiked all my life. I knew I'd hit. I said, I, I said Ali, we're going to separate. And I said goodbye to my... I did see Ali later before he died, actually. Um, but but I said goodbye to Ali and we then got my Chinese murderer and I headed up to the motorway to the main invasion route, which was literally, as I told you earlier, we, we, we'd crossed over and we were in this douanier, walked back to the motorway 
and it was the main invasion route. All the tanks were coming in. I was fucking going, yeah, 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 yeah. And I was hitchhiking, and a Sudanese family stopped. And I got in the back with the Sudanese and uh, with the Sudanese family. And I got in the back and I had this little black kid in my arms who sit in my lap. And we must have looked really weird. A Chinese murderer, a sort of English looking, Palestinian looking dude. With, uh, and we went through an Iraqi police check. I thought, oh, well, fucked here. <laughs> they let me go through. And uh, I thought my dad was in Oman because he'd gone for a job. I thought he didn't realize he was in the country. So I went to my best friend's mother's house. Um, went down the motorway. They were coming off the motorway the wrong way because of the invasion. And I got back to my friend's mother's house and I got the Chinese guy taken back to the embassy and I got a personal thanks from the Chinese ambassador for getting him. So then I saw I'm out of jail and the invasions. And now, so suddenly in, in three days, I've gone from facing years in jail to suddenly I'm out of jail. That's when the nightmares start. Every morning you're waking up, they've withdrawn, they've withdrawn. I've got to walk, I've got to hand myself back in. I've got to hand myself back in. I, 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 I can't, I, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? The stress was unreal. But I met some friends. I got a Saab 9000 Turbo within a day from my friend's father because we had the country. And then um, I went through, a, 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 I went with a photographer who got stuff in Time magazine. I went up through a flushing out movement, I literally. So I, I found out my dad was still in the country, right? So I said, George, let's go and film down near the ports. They invaded in through Shuake Port was one of the places the Iraqis first came in through. I said, let's go. And so we're driving in a Suzuki Jeep, right? So once you're driving on a road, if suddenly there's a fucking tank and machine guns going on, you, you know, it's, it, so, so, so I'm literally driving by and this Mustang, a Kuwaiti Mustang, a guy, a Kuwaiti kid in a Mustang, pulled up in front of us, slammed the brakes and jumped out and ran to the house with, with an M16 in his hand. So this was the resistance. By this time we'd driven past him. There's stuff on fire, stuff on fire. And I'm going, oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. I took my T-shirt off and I put the seat back like this. And I was hanging my T-shirt out the window like this. And as I went down under the flyover, there were three or four tanks and a couple of hundred Iraqi troops coming through to come in because there was resistance here. And we literally drove in front of the tanks. It was the scariest moment, honestly, like, like this. And then we got to traffic lights. And we said, what did we do? We stopped. So there was, and there was an Iraqi sentry at the traffic lights. And I had apple juice with me. And I said to him, Tebi Asir, do you want juice? Nah, nah, nah. So he didn't want it. Anyway, so, so I went to see my dad and I saw my dad that way. Um, so that was exciting. But then the just sort of I, I know we're probably getting towards the end of our time. I guess what the the two things that make the story a bit crazier than that, than that is one, I broke back into the jail a week later. Why? Um, uh, this is a good question, actually. Uh, I went back to get letters and the Quran, believe it or not. Um, somebody had given me I went back to get letters, and that was really eerie because they were removing the bodies from the guys who got killed at the time. They just removed them. But I went into I got a photo of the brain juice, you know, on the floor where they'd left them because they'd shot and it, it all gone onto the floor. So I got a picture of his brains or, or the blood from his brains. That's when I went to the gallows and I went into the gallows and we, my friend looked over the top and we, I went down there. Then I went back to my cell. And what all was the, it? What was what, in the gallows at that point? Well, I've always been fascinated with death. Um, it was nothing. It was, there was no rope, but it was the doors, the trap door. So I went down where the bodies would hang and I went into it and I was moving my arms. My friend put his head over the top like that and I took his photo. Uh, but it was eerie and I went down to the block the jail block and all the water had been left on so all the water's pouring off the side all the watermelons were rotting the file room was still burning um, and I got my I still got the letters and I still got the Quran and I still got the uh, the, 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 the bits I went back for and then uh, I had a premonition that we should leave the country soon and I told my dad this and uh, he wanted to leave the next day but I said by this time I had a hot wired 7.2 litre Bedouin truck. It was the best truck I've ever fucking had. It was fantastic. My friend had told me where it was and we'd hot wired it. 
And so I, we, we met in a convoy. And guess where we met? We met up near the fucking jail. <laughs> where do you want to meet before we escape? Oh, let's go to Kuwait Central Jail because it was out through the desert. So we went up. We went up to the. We went up to the jail, and I had a gay guy next to me, and another guy next to me. And a, oh, I mean, the last thing you want when you're escaping through a war zone is somebody who's quite anxious. So, <laughs> so anyway, anyway, we escaped, and uh, I was the first person to get to the border because. I had a 7.2 litre Bedouin truck and I was having fun. I mean, can you imagine? Locked up in a cell, suddenly you're flying through the desert, you know, with tanks and everything and you're, you're trying to get to the border. And I got to the border. I'd never seen the border before. And I thought, oh, this must be it. So I slammed the brakes on and I ran up the sand berm. So what the border is, is actually a huge berm that goes down like that. And I ran up to the side and I threw myself down and I saw this camera going by on a Humvee Opposite, like, ah, that's Saudi Arabia. It has to be the Americans and the Saudis, you know. So we knew we were at Saudi Arabia. Got into Saudi Arabia, got into a town. But my dad's wife, who was kind of like a, she was a bit of a high class prostitute. She was, a, she, she, she was a very attractive Korean lady. And we're in the middle of a Saudi town, and she's wearing a mini skirt. And oh man, all hell kicked off. And my dad, you know, my dad almost lost it. And I just said, no, dude. I knew, I knew things by now. I said, no, no, let's leave, 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 leave. So we, we, we rushed out of that town and slept in the desert. And that's when I slept in the desert at night. Everybody had gone on to sleep and I was on my dad's blazer and I felt safe for the first time. I knew I wasn't going, I knew I wasn't going back to jail. I wasn't going back to jail. And I lay there and the sky opened itself and it, it went from one star to 10 million stars. It was the clearest night I'd ever seen. And I said to myself, one, I want Lisa back. And two, is I'll never take so much shit from anybody in a job or anything that I won't just walk away. I'll keep my self-respect. And uh, the Lisa side of it, uh, I got to Bahrain and I called her up. She was with her new boyfriend by then. I just said, listen, if you ever want to try it again, I love you and I, I'd love to be together. And uh, came back to England. And it was even worse than being in jail. Coming back. When, when, you, when you get out of jail, first of all, it's when you've nothing. I felt the most useless human. I, I, useless, useless human. And uh, she came back to me when I had nothing. Fantastic. I, I was 55 kilos. I'd lost all my looks. Uh, I was reasonably, you know, okay looking before I went to jail. And I came out. I was like a fucking Biafran, you know. Um, How old were you when you came out? 23. Wow. 23. So uh, How many years did you actually serve? I did 21 months. 21 months, yeah. So it's not the, it's, I mean, you don't need, I mean, you know, it all becomes <laughs> pointless after a certain amount of time. You know, it really does. It, it, Okay, fine. Rapists, yeah, fucking lock them up for life. You know, people who break birth, people who break into private homes, things like that. Fucking whip them till they fucking can't stand up. You know, yeah, yeah, no, 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 bollocks. There's certain crimes, you know, but 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 drugs is stupid. I can walk out of here now and get any fucking drug I want within half an hour. The fact the government doesn't tax it, mm. the fact the government doesn't tax and educate, is idiotic. It is. I agree entirely. It's it's idiotic. The damage, I mean, I don't know. I haven't looked up to this day what damage could actually happen from the drugs I've taken. I think if a child is taught that, is taught that and understands, shown pictures of of dead and what can happen. But how can you, when tens of thousands die from this every year and two die from ecstasy, how can you ban one? No, as a human, as a logical human, you can't. Moral relativism. Mm. So how did you win her back? Uh, I, I, I think it was because we had a, because of all the letters, because of, um, it was, uh, I don't know. She came back. I think it's because of what we, what we had. I mean, we married, we've got two beautiful kids. 
we, we we've you know people look at our relationship now believe it or not and as I mean, all my friends' relationships are formed by the wayside. Everybody's fucking divorced. <laughs> you know, I'm one of the only people I know who's not fucking divorced. And and I, I, you know, and and you know, it's I, I can't tell you that. You have to ask her that. Really, I mean, I went back. She came back to me. The, it's difficult to get over the things I know that we've done to each other. It's very difficult to get over. But at the same time, you've got to say to yourself, "Well, she came back." You know, you know. So, so I think what I say to people who are locked up and feel useless and all the rest of it is, is that try and find some self-confidence, try and realize that, you know, crime and spending, I dread the thought of going back to jail. I fucking dread it. You know, don't think of it as an option, you know, think of it as a time to turn it around. And, you know, I, you know, you can turn it around. You know, I've had months where I've earned 40 grand. You know, I, 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 you know, and all I am is a, a, you know, I'm a failed, the worst drug dealer in history, lost everything. You can all, the, the, use it as a, use it as a stepping stone. And if you're not a criminal in your heart, you know, doing things that hurt other people never brings happiness. How did you reestablish yourself into the work world? Uh, I, I went back to the Middle East again. I went back to Dubai and Abu Dhabi and got involved. I'm a salesman. I don't know if you can tell. <laughs> have you even been to Kuwait? Yeah, I broke. I went back to Kuwait actually. Yeah, I've been. You have an outstanding warrant for escape. No, we all got amnesties. You all got amnesties. Yeah, apart from the murderers, I believe. I oh. believe. I believe because because the Iraqis destroyed all of the identity cards and they literally went to the went to the fucking identity card office. Yeah. And Kuwait was one of the first countries in the world that made you have identity cards. Yeah, the Iraqis drove a tank up to it and fucking blew it to bits. Yay! <laughs> So Saddam Hussein did you a favor. Well, Saddam Hussein al Arasik. Yeah, that's what I mean. Saddam set me free. Uh, yeah, 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 no, he did. He did. He did. He set me free. And, and look at, I mean, I mean, I know a lot about the Middle East, but but look, I mean, you, we all criticize him. But the only thing that can hold Middle Eastern countries together, ones that try to follow the doctrine of Islam, is a strong man. Yeah. The only thing they can't deal with it. They, they the, the, the the madness of the religion mm-hmm. tears the society to bits unless you have a strong man. Yeah. They can't they can't do it. I mean it's it it, it, it it's terrible when, when you see how capable the Arabs are, mm-hmm. how capable the Pakistanis are, how capable the Indians are, and all of this this darkness, this darkness that that that, that um that envelops them and now envelops us. I think the viewers of your Bang Abroad episode mm. are probably wondering what you've done with yourself since the episode. Yeah, well, I've had a family. I work for myself. I I, I, um, I live in England, which used to be a society of free speech and free thought, which is no longer. Uh, I live in a left-wing lunatic <laughs> asylum, uh, you know, uh, it's I, nice down there, though, down the road from me, isn't it? I love England, but I but I don't like what's becoming of it. I don't yeah. like I don't like political correctness. I think it's absurd. Yeah, I, it I, I, I can't stand it. You know, at the end of the day, you know, I've got Pakistani friends, and they they were always good at what they said. Gurachut means you white cunt, and I say, ah, oh, fuck off, you packy bastard. That is how that is how life is in general. People. Uh, birds of a feather flock together. Yeah. It isn't, you know, it, it isn't. It's uh, the thought police, isn't it? The government. Oh, I can't stand it's Orwellian. it. Orwellian. It's yeah, terrible. Yeah. No, but it's terrible because 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 what they're supporting, what they're trying to do is to stop you. You can't say anything in this world right now. And a cautionary note as well to young people, backpackers around the world might be watching this, thinking about doing something like what you've done. What's your message to them? 
get a bar job. You know, yeah, 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 you know, get a bar job. Uh, just, just, just experience is everything. Money is nothing. I was just trying to get my girlfriend out. You know, drug, use drugs. Don't make money off drugs. Use drugs. When you make money off drugs, as you're aware, there's a certain there's repercussions. You know, that suddenly become um, really serious. You know, doing time is a waste of life. A complete and utter waste of life. Be kind. Be honest. Be straightforward. All of the things that you know. Don't, as in jail, don't follow Islam would be my recommendation. You know, when you look at all the radicalization that's going on, it's not the answer. The answer is is to accept everybody and anyone and not to force your ideas onto other people is what I would say. From what I've learned from, from living in an indoctrinated society to living what was a free society, which is now becoming a society of thought police. Um, and I'm, I'm going to put Scott's episode, his Bangor Broad episode, in the description box below this video and if you've enjoyed this story please put a comment let us know how you felt about this and really appreciate you coming down i mean this was the fucking honestly this has got to be one of the craziest prison stories i've ever heard war zone escape i mean you've got absolutely everything there